world, I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to the 117th Church Mag Podcast. Everyone knows that feel. That knows that Phil. Feel. <laughs> See? Phil? You're going to be talking about him all week. All week. All right, Jeremy, first question. This week's podcast is brought to you by Jeremy's Church Tech Devotional Rebuilding. This devotional can be done on your own or with an entire church tech team, week by week, day by day, however you like. This devotional is for church tech by church tech. Learn more about rebuilding on the Church Mag Press website at churchmag.press. That's churchmag.press. This week we have a very special episode as I interview our very own Jeremy Smith. If you would like to ask Jeremy a question and have him answer it on an upcoming podcast, send us your questions by visiting churchmag forward slash riddle me this. That's churchm.ag forward slash riddle me this. Now, let the fun begin. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast, although this isn't a complete Church Mag Podcast because Phil, Phil is working on his deck. And it's been like this big, long, week-long project. He's been keeping us filled in on the Slack back channel. And he just had one final step, and it spilled into this morning. And so he's not able to join us on the podcast today. But hats off for him for sticking to it and getting that, that uh, DIY deck project done. Um, but, of course, we miss him so much, don't we, Jeremy? So much, Phil. Come back. Please, Phil, come back. I mean, here, here Jeremy and I, just before we started, are lamenting about how difficult it is to do the podcast without him. There's no stories. There's no warm-hearted humor. I mean, th- there's this huge gap that is left by Phil. He is our relatable piece. It, it's true. It's true. And, uh, interestingly enough, um, Jeremy isn't even at home. He's on the road. In Ohio, what? In a, you, didn't you say you were in a hotel? Not anymore. No, not anymore. Okay, all right. But still, you're not home. You're in. You're in Ohio. So we feel very scattered today, and because we feel a little scattered, and I've got my own internet issues going on too. Um, but I thought it might be fun to kind of throw these out every once in a while, some personal question kind of things. And you know, in my upcoming move back to the states, there's some time this summer that I might have a hard time making the podcast. And I was thinking. You know, it'd be pretty cool if Jeremy and Phil would do the podcast without me, and they could maybe do this with one another. Ask ask some questions so that you know not only that we can get to know each other a little bit better, but so that you can get to know us a little bit better. I thought it might be fun, kind of change up the pace of you know the tech, 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 tech that that's always going on around here. So, Jeremy, you are in the hot seat now. If you're like me, when you're asked personal questions and you reflect on them later and you read what you did or you listen to what you said, you're like, oh, I wish I would have said this or that. You know, it's like it's the classic scenario where you go to a job interview and after the job interview, you'd be like, oh, that would have been a good, th- good thing to say. I bet I would have got that job but I thought of that then instead of now. But uh, everyone knows that feel that knows that Phil feel. <laughs> See? Phil? You're going to be talking about him all week. All week. All right, Jeremy, first question. And we're going to start We're going to start pretty hardcore here, fresh out of the gate. Very personal, deep down, cut to the core question here. Jeremy, here it is. And I know this is extra difficult for you. Not difficult. It, there's an extra edge to this because you are introverted. Uh, so you're not necessarily the first person to be spilling their guts about these things. So I understand there's a little bit of anxiety with this. So I'm going to get the hard question out early, all right? Yeah. All right. What is your favorite breakfast cereal? Oh, that is actually tough. Breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. 
Um, if I had to pick only one, this is one of those questions I'm going to come back and think about. Exactly. <laughs> I would. I would probably say. Belgian waffles, dude. Okay, wait a minute. I feel wait like a minute. That's a bad pick. No, Belgian waffle. Okay, that is an excellent pick. Okay, now see, this is why I didn't. This is why I didn't say your favorite breakfast because to me that is pretty wide open in the breakfast department. It's very very difficult. I want to know what your favorite breakfast cereal is. Your favorite oh, cereal. cereal, like specific. Yeah, yeah, cereal. yeah. We're narrowing this down, man. Ugh. Ugh. Are you not as... If my wife is in the house, yeah. it is not Fruity Loops <laughs> or Fruity Pebbles. Um, I would say probably either Fruity Pebbles or if I have to eat healthy because, you know, kids and being a yeah. good example yeah. and whatnot, Frosted Mini Wheats. Nice. Those are, those, are, those are popular choices in our home. Mind you, we can't get any of those in Italy, but at a time they were they were some favorites. Good picks, good picks. I'm I'm impressed. Although when it comes to breakfast cereal, I think that's that's hard to get wrong. Am I right? Yes, but somehow I've seen people do it really badly. That's true. That's true. Like they get like the the frozen movie cereal or like the Buzz Lightyear cereal. That's just that's just a bad move. You got to stick to the classics. Got to stick to the classics. Yeah, my son saw the frozen movie cereal and he tried it, and it's just. It's horrible. Oh, you too? My, my my youngest, she picked it out too. We said, any of the cereal. And we were like, are you sure, honey? And she was she was really sure. And we thought, you know what? This is going to be a good object lesson. Because, you know, as adults, you're just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And sure enough, it was it was really bad. It, I, I don't normally exaggerate and say things like, this tastes like cardboard, but it kind of did. It does, right? Now, did she realize it tasted bad, or was it just so amazing that she had the specific kind of cereal? No. In fact, when we saw it again in the store, she was like, that cereal was gross. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, I know, right? We didn't even finish it. It was that bad. Yeah. So it was like the first bowl. We're like, honey, you don't have to finish eating it. My son would still choose that over other cereals just because it was frozen. How old was he? Three. Well, yeah, see, he's three. See, she's she's over double his age, so she had a little bit, she had a more developed uh, palate, so... There you go. All right. Jeremy, tell everybody what your day job is because everyone hears, you know, you're like awesome with the social media and the marketing and the church tech Devo and all this, you know, church tech, church tech, church tech. But what is your day job now or maybe was and is now? So I did do youth ministry for eight years and social media as well as consulting stuff on the side um, for four years. Now, right now, I am a clinical counselor, which means I work with um, mental health and substance use for adults. And specifically right now, I am working with, um, at least for this period of time, working with offenders. So people that are in the legal system at some capacity. Um, and I directly am working with domestic violence offenders. So there, it's a very special situation just because domestic violence is a very difficult thing. And a lot of times it's a certain person type that works with that and they're very antisocial and don't take responsibility for stuff. So it's a very hard client to work with at times, depending on who's in there. So 
That's who I'm currently working with. Right. So if you're listening to the Church Mag podcast and you hear us making counseling references or jokes, it's because that's what Jeremy does. He's a counselor. And, you know, and and it gives, it adds, for those that don't know, it adds a whole other dimension. And like I said, some of these questions, I don't know the answer to. Some of them I do. This one, of course, I knew what the answer was. But um, it it adds another layer and dimension to Jeremy, what he knows and what he's educated in. And honestly, you know, if you you follow Church Mag very closely, it really the light kind of goes on. Oh, that's why Jeremy's talking about women in church tech so much and is really passionate about some of the overlapping social issues involved with church tech because mm-hmm. that that's really your, that's another concentration that you have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's not even specifically with the counseling stuff. It's just the social justice overall and wanting to help people. I remember when I was doing youth ministry and it's the very first year I was in it, I was standing up front doing the youth pastor kind of talk. And I found myself constantly gazing over that person that was sitting in the back of the corner, not wanting to interact with people getting kind of picked on or whatever. And so that's just my general lean in, in life. So I think that's where I head towards. Well, yeah. And with your experience with youth ministry, your, your passion for church tech and your, your education and background experience in recovery, recovery counseling and and these things, I'm really curious to see what may, you you may bake up sometime in the future regarding the, the talk that we've had with the anti-pornography and the fight against pornography that we've, that we've had with the No Porn For Me project, which really needs to get uh, up and going. But I'm really curious to see what you might cook up for that someday. Yeah, and there's a lot that goes with that for adults and for being a parent and teenagers and all the tech that goes along with it. Exactly, exactly. All right, Jeremy, what is your favorite video game of all time. Now, you can talk about what your favorite one is right now, but also I want to know what your favorite video game of all time is. Oh, man. Yeah, this is right up there with the breakfast cereal <laughs> thing. I'm just saying. <laughs> of all time? Yeah. And, and I, trust me when I say that if I answered this question, I could answer it so many different ways. So, right. you know. Let's put in the Jeopardy final question music. Yeah. Well, that's why I edit out the pauses, Jeremy. People be like, wow, he answered those so fast. I wish I was that confident. (laughs) Not even. (laughs) They they did a lightning round for uh, Katie and Daryl's, and I just gave the first answer that came to mind, not even if it was actually true. So here's how I will answer it. I will first off say that I love playing sport games and i don't know why this is but i love playing sport games on console because you got that console versus pc dynamic i'm not as big of a console person that my family and friends are so if it had to be console i would play a sport game first more than anything but i'm a pc gamer and i love i'm not a big fan of the first person shooters um obviously i love minecraft so i'll probably stick with Minecraft though. I do love the thinking aspect of video games. So something like Hearthstone or just those ones where you have to solve a lot of puzzles. I really get into that. So I'm going to stick with Minecraft, but it's really just the whole intellectual component that I love. Interesting. Very interesting. I I totally understand what you're saying about the sport games, Um, especially on console. There's a, there's a low entry point. Yeah. Um, so it's easy for people to jump in. I, I like the human to human competition. Mm-hmm. 
that that brings, and then also the variety of play as far as sports games go. Like it's it's always it really is always different. There's a lot of variety in that. So I I totally know I totally know where you're coming when from, you're in, and I'm I'm kind of the same way. When we were in college, we had a running uh, tournament where starting my sophomore year through my senior year, we would buy the newest Madden in college football games, and during the the highest points of college and the highest points of the NFL, we would play a season and it started out with just like four of us total. And so we'd play a whole season. You'd have to come and play your week and then we'd move on as we went along. And if you didn't get to play, we got a week to do it. And if you didn't do it, you had to just auto sim and take the score you got. <laughs> and then we would play against each other. We get into the finals and everything like that. And by the senior year, we had 16 people playing this tournament and we had to shorten it down to, you had four days to do it to come into our apartment and do this. So <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, we were totally into it. That is epic. That is epic. I, I, I uh, always wanted to do that with like tech mobile, or something like that back in the day that is that oh that that is so awesome i i would totally i would totally be into that yeah totally into that and it, it was a routine of my by my junior year or senior year no senior year i would come in i would start the oven start the game the video game up put in my pizza play for the first half or the first half and by the first half the pizza was ready let it cool play the second half scarf it down and then go back to class <laughs> So that was my, I could do all of that within 45 minutes and then get back to class. That's amazing. That is amazing. Who needs to study? Clearly you did not need to. All right, Jeremy, why do you like blogging? This is a weird answer because there's the internal and the external part of it. The internal is I, I originally blogged because I just wanted to get my words on paper. So I didn't have to constantly be thinking about them. And then, A lot of people were saying how journaling just really helps them spiritually and emotionally. And so I tried it and it didn't do the, the latter part of it. It it didn't do anything for me emotionally. I guess it did get stuff onto paper that I didn't necessarily want just constantly running through my head, but the, the external aspect of it as well was really helpful in the sense that just being able to share what I had to say with others was really helpful and to have, in some ways have that validation and in other ways to be able to support others and just kind of here's my difficulties and learnings in life. And so I'd say it's mostly for that wanting to support others that has evolved into that. Um, but initially it was just to get stuff on the paper for myself. Interesting. You know, when you paint that kind of a picture, it really does remind me, it really does remind me of the roots of blogging and how it all began and how it was a far more social platform. Whereas now it just seems like an opportunity for people to fill the space with noise. I mean, uh, even just recently with, with some big news events, it just seems like everyone has feels the need to, to have a blog post about it and put their opinion out there and, and not even really helping the situation or adding a voice that is different or unique, but just adding to the, just adding their voice for the sake of adding their voice or putting out a blog post for the, for the sake of the page view and, and, and stuff like that. And the interaction and the, uh, the social networking is the social networking ish 
feeling that blogging used to have where people left comments and they there was dialogue it just seems like because there is so much content out there that that aspect of blogging has been lost do, do you agree with that i know that we had a conversation in the back channel pretty frequently and passionately about just the saturation level of blogging where people if they want to achieve some kind of business success they start a blog and it's just adding to the noise because they're not really good at what they do. They just are trying to fake it until they get to that point, which is not helping their audience because their audience isn't gaining much from them, but they label themselves an authority or whatnot. And then on the other end, the people that are selling stuff, and so they write blog articles that are constantly geared towards them. And so again, that's noise. And so I feel like right now, the reader has to be super smart because there's so much junk out there it's like going to a, a junkyard and trying to find that perfect thing that you need or going to used car salesman and having to be able to discern what is going to be the best thing for you so absolutely i think that the noise level is just overwhelming and the the viewer has to be so much more smart in that process and, and careful and i think that if you come in here just to do the sh- the shotgun effect of just see what sticks you're going to have short-term success and just instantly fail after that. And and that's why businesses don't understand why blogging doesn't work and why the commenters are always saying, oh, this is just never going to work. You, you can't find success with social media or with this marketing thing just because they never give it the time of day. They're not doing it the right way. For, there's no strategy. There's no intent behind it. So, yeah, absolutely. I wish that... I wish that people would just be more intentional about their writing, which is something you and I always are talking about of how can we just be better at this process? You and I, and you and I even do that pushback of sometimes we can blog just to get some more views because it helps sustain the platform. And then you're like, it needs to be purposeful. It needs to have a lot, a lot of effort behind it. And it's like, what's that easy middle of having those long form articles. And at the same time, doing stuff to support what we love doing. So it's, it's a balancing act and it's a, but we're very, we're always asking those questions and challenging each other that exactly a lot of exactly. the noise people don't and, do. And it, it is a, it is a fine balance. And like you said, readers have to be smart. Unfortunately, that takes a lot of effort and it can be tiring. So, you know, um, if, if bloggers don't kill the platform first, hopefully over time, then, you know, the hype will die down and eventually the, the cream will rise to the top, hopefully. And um, this current state of so much noise will hopefully die down to some degree. Um, that all being said, do you remember the first time you ever got paid for writing? I remember the first time hearing about the fact that I, could, that I had the opportunity with Church Mag. Um, and so I kind of went hog wild with it. I don't remember actually getting paid. Um, but then there's the personal side when I was running my own sites and having that, it, it, and it's, it really is different. I don't know if you've ever experienced this with, when you're part of church crunch and however you decided it's, and you were on board, but it's one thing to get paid for writing. And I'm not necessarily super confident in my writing as it is, but then the entrepreneur side of running your own blog and getting paid for it, that's a totally different feeling, at least for me in that process of I've made something that was worthy of someone giving me money for it. Um, and 
spending not a little bit of money on me. And so that was a, that was a big shift in my mindset at that point of this is actually something that you can do. And it's, that's when my entrepreneurship part of me really kind of thrived is I could, if I really wanted to, I could probably do this as a part-time or full-time job very easily. Um, and, and then the blogging with church mag was, is just about the content. Don't worry about getting paid full time. Don't worry about that. Just make some great content and go from there. Yeah. That, there definitely is a difference between writing for and, and trying to sustain your own. Um, cause when you get paid for your writing, that that's exactly what it's like. You, sh- you, you show up, you write, you get paid, repeat, you know, there's, you don't have to worry about all those, all those things that can come up. You know, you don't even have to worry about where that money comes from to compensate you f- for your writing. And so there definitely is there definitely is a difference between the two. That's for sure. And I think that I think that blogging for money was never on my radar. And so whenever I found out that it was possible, it was more of a I get paid to feed this addiction of blogging. <laughs> and so it's not like there's so exactly. much money that I can now go spend on my wife or myself or something like that. It was okay, I can blog and now I can buy stock photos or Photoshop, something like that. That was, there's more to feed the thing. Whereas whenever the entrepreneurship happened, I'm like, I mean, this is really good amount of money. I could go take my wife out to eat now. So that was a different mentality. Yeah. And, and being able to not only be able to blog and then get the benefit of making a few bucks at it, but then also being part of a platform that you actually get read. You know, opposed to like publishing a blog post and then hearing like, do do do. Yeah, for me that was more important. Like getting those comments, <laughs> getting that engagement. Right? That's like I probably could remember the first time that happened, especially in church. Right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's you know, dove, you know, looping back to what we were talking about before about the evolution of blogging. That's something that I really miss is that 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 the dialogue and the commenting and I don't know how many times I go to a blog. I, I guess I'm a little old school still. You go to a blog and you're like, interesting, and you want to leave a comment, and then you can't because there for a while it was a fad to turn them off. <laughs> you're like, well, this stinks. You know, I like wanted to make a comment, but I can't. Jeremy, what do you love most about being a dad? So I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. We're finally one of those people where we say, I don't know if I said this on a podcast. Um, <laughs> I when I was in first grade everybody said what they wanted to be for their job and mine was to be a father and then the teacher said no you can't do that you gotta pick something real and and so I've always wanted to be a father so I think at least in this stage of life whenever I thought about what it meant to be a father I didn't think about the first two years and for some reason it was just like let's go throw the ball let's go play sports and I'll teach you how to do it well. Let's make sure we get good grades in college and high school and whatnot. Um, and just kind of like I say something and you listen to what I have to say, not stop crying, stop crying, stop crying. You're still crying. Why are you still crying? Kind of thing. I think that the, I'm finally in that stage where my oldest is responding to that process. And that's really amazing for him to have a dialogue with me and to start to intelligently understand which comes with its problems because like we were going to see my sister-in-law's house and 
um, my wife had told my son without my knowledge, he wasn't allowed to take cereal. And so he walks out with cereal behind his back. And I thought he was just being cute because that's what he does. And he gets in the car and we're going. And then my wife sees him and she says, you know, you weren't supposed to bring that. And he was, I mean, he had just figured out how to get the cereal. And it's a small thing, but it's just like seeing them develop in that way. That's really cool just to have that process. And then um, him like wanting to watch me play Minecraft and telling me what to do. There was really cool moments where we had the church mag server and there was another guy on there streaming. And while he was streaming, uh, my son, I said, Hey, come here. And he sat on my lap and we decided to prank him. And so we were hiding and, and put a whole bunch of snow golems in his base and a whole bunch of other stuff. And he was just cracking up giggling and we were letting that guy stream play. So we were hearing all of his reactions about everything and he would start laughing really loud and then he would like be shh, shh, just so he didn't hear us, even though we were on a stream or anything like that. So it was just really fun just to see something like that. All right. Final question. And that is, tell us where you're at as far as this whole PC versus Mac, Android versus iOS. What do you use? Why? Thoughts? Go for it. I've had such bad experiences for Apple with the hardware in the last eight years that I'm kind of done with Macs for a while just because they don't put that emphasis on the hardware. I know constantly people say they make great, such great hardware. They make great um, boxes that the hardware goes in and they think about how they don't want people to tamper with their products. So their software is really great at working with their hardware, but their hardware in and of itself is junk and I, I've seen study, I've seen comparisons where they make fun of Apple, where they compare like uh, Blueberry at the height of their computer, their software and their hardware, and they compare like the latest Apple product. And it's just a little bit better than what has happened 10 years ago. It, it's amazing to me how they're so, they have to, everything has to be so in house, which for me is assuming that everybody's going to destroy your products so and nobody's allowed to touch it. And I've been in homes like that and museums like that, and it's no fun. Why in the world would you want to go there? And I'm, I'm such a modular person, anyways, that that's something like that just is soul crushing that I just don't want to go there. And if you're not going to make the best product possible, you're going to just iterate every other year and make very little success. And you're just going to kind of ride the wave until you're done and you can abandon ship. That is like, I I don't even know how to frame a business model like that. And so I, whenever it comes to Android, whenever it comes to PC, they've constantly and always been in that. Let's create something great. And if you don't like this, go look at this other thing that's really great if you can't afford the cost of that one thing. So I'm always PC um, and, and building your own PC is kind of where I'm at with that. It's not like go buy a $300 desktop kind of a PC because those won't do very much for you, but it'll be about the power of a Mac. So just if you're thinking about that way um, and, and then on the Android side of things, I am running Android. My wife finally converted this year to Android and loves it so much better. Um, again, it's the innovation thing. She's like, Apple's probably never going to do water resistant and their phones are actually not as good as Android anymore. And the software doesn't matter for me because she never buys the Mac software. 
And so she's like, there's no reason for me not to do Android. So if you buy into the hype of what is Apple and paying the 99 cent apps that you can't get on your Android phone, then maybe go for that. But we don't, we haven't bought into that hype with it. And, and the efficiency model of using Evernote and Google docs and all that stuff is transitional between Mac and Android that there was, there was really zero barrier for me and her only barrier was just having to learn a new software platform, which Android's come to its own that she was figuring out how to do things. I didn't know how to do the same day she had purchased it. So I, I, I won't ever see myself going in that realm until they up, up their game as far as the hardware hmm. stuff. Interesting, interesting. You know, um, I made I made the switch shortly after you. In fact, you and I kind of egged each other on as far as mm-hmm. as far as making the change, and uh, or at least you egged me on. And um, I, I had a similar experience in the in the barrier of transition. So many of the tools I was already using went both ways, and. Um, and some of the things that were exclusive, I could find comparable or now I've found better that go both ways as well. I, I find myself using a lot of a lot of apps and stuff that 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 do go both ways, not only for um, I don't know, it just happens to be that way. I guess I, I think that that um, software companies that do both tend to be a little bit more holistic in their thinking and just naturally create better products, honestly, because they're forced to deal with both platforms. They kind of have their eyes open to both both very well and thus create a better pro- uh, product. And that's the thing that got me is the, the openness, the kind of the new Microsoft, because, you know, I've always tried to be really fair as I've looked at both, both systems and not tried to be a fanboy or be staunch against either one. I mean, there's still, there's lots of people that I really think Mac is the best system for them. And, um, so one thing about that has changed with PC is the openness they have changed. They've uh, Apple's become far more like Microsoft than than what Microsoft is now. Okay, Apple's very closed. All these things, whereas Microsoft is is open. They're making acquisitions of open source stuff and 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 all these different things. And so I've really been impressed with kind of their new approach um, to to technology and the willingness to make the big change. Something that Apple has yet to do because they're they're kind of in that that pinnacle spot and eventually they will age and they won't be cool anymore and it doesn't feel like they've they've future proofed themselves very well but setting all that aside um things like cost and the fact that I do like to PC game on the weekends uh it just became a no brainer yeah. so and I will be honest even when I was on Mac the only times I would ever recommend people get a Mac is when you're doing the Photoshop and video editing. And as soon as PC came into its own with that, I didn't have a reason. I wasn't going to go buy a new laptop just because of that fact. But even when I was on the platform and there was youth pastor after youth pastor buying these kind of a machine, I'm like, why? All you're going to do is get on Facebook, write in word and have PowerPoint. And you don't need a $2,000 laptop to do that. You can get a $300 Chromebook or something like that for that 
for that use. All right, Jeremy. Well, this was fun. Uh, I hope we get to do some more of these. Maybe Phil, we'll get Phil hooked in sometime, uh, that sort of stuff. So um, if you're listening to the podcast and you have a question for Jeremy, you can ask him anything. You can use the CMAG cast hashtag. You can go to the churchmag forward slash podcast page and find our contact form there. It's somewhere there. You just click on it and you can send us a question there. Or if you email podcast at churchmag, all three of us get that email. I get it. Jeremy gets it. Phil gets it. So if you have a question, send it to us. Just fire up an email, podcast at churchmag, and we will answer it on a future podcast. Send us an email, subscribe, and search for previous episodes of the Church Mag Podcast by visiting Church Mag. You'll find a link on the main menu, churchm.ag. That's Church Mag. And while you're there, feel free to send us a message and subscribe to the Church Mag Podcast so you can receive an early release of the show every Friday. Until next week. We always are cold. We don't have Phil to like come in with a story. Yeah, when we don't have Phil, we're always cold. <laughs> I know, right? All right he keeps us warm at night. <laughs> The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com.